Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. All right, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have an exciting interview. Today, we get to do a second interview with one of our favorites from the from our podcast, Mike Papowski of Dagger. Uh, if you want to check out his previous episode where we got a deep dive into the origins of this company, how they got started, the things they've learned, we covered everything from why good people leave because of Groundhog Day, New Day, same problems, why you must only do the things that only you can do, and we also talked about why sometimes your business needs you at an 11 and sometimes it only needs you at an 8. So we covered some fascinating ground. If you want to go back, listen to that. It is episode number 32 on the podcast. And today, just a little bit over a year later, we are rejoined by Mike and we are thrilled to have him. So Mike, thank you for being here today, bud. Thanks for having me, Drew. Good to see you again. Yeah, uh, man. So I in forgot, the last... I forgot about the Groundhog's Day. Right? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, same shit, different still, day, still, man. Still Groundhog's applies, Day. Yeah. Yeah, that still applies. So tell me this. In the last year, are there anything, uh, if, let's imagine somebody went and listened to that first episode. Uh, any updates since the last time we talked to you just on the company before we do a dive on you? Company-wise, uh, it's been a growth year. Uh, you know, we've been navigating the kind, the, you know, just like everybody else, COVID, coming back to the office, then Delta variant, and, and, the, and you know, now looking to come back to the office again. Um, through the midst of that, we've been, yeah, we've been growing pretty, pretty rapidly. Uh, we just passed a uh, hundred, as we call them, DAGs, uh, Dagger team members. Probably the last time we talked, we, I would say we were fifties or sixties. So for an agency, you, know, Dang. You, you take that growth to Silicon Valley and it's like, that's how much they grow in a day. But you know, in the agency world, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty fast growth. Um, so that's been going on. Um, as I thought COVID was winding down pre-Delta variant, I took about a month, went to the West Coast, basically as a retreat, just to sort of get very crystal clear on our next three years. Um, and I was using that time just because we were growing fast and I don't think the company needed me with my foot on the accelerator here. And I, I thought it would be the last time that remote, sort of being remote felt more acceptable. Um, so that was pretty good. I spent about a, just north of San Diego in a place called Encinitas, which I highly recommend to all the listeners, uh, especially mm. which I'm not. But um, so spent about a month there and, and came out of that exercise and worked with my leadership team really on kind of the next next phase of where the company's going with some big moves that we're making that hopefully uh, everybody's going to hear about more over the next, you know months and years so heck yeah, yeah. Good year. all, all things being considered man so this is probably a very nuanced answer to this question uh but what do you credit that growth to in the midst of another very uncertain year um you know i think i think these are seeds that have been sown before the year i mean i think i think we as a leadership team just always have our hand on the tiller of of growth you know a lot of the things that we do ladder up to growth and that is kind of inherent in our in our vision and our purpose our purpose is actually you know all about cultivating the growth within the people here 
and as for those people to be growing, they the organ organization has to be growing. So I would say there's there's a little bit of a general obsession on my part on on growth um, and just having a great team. And so you know what that looks like for us is um, our business, as you know, you know we go into some of these big RFPs and pitches, and then you know in in one decision by a brand or a client our business increases 15 or 20 percent you know mm. and we've gotten i think very good in those scenarios um and that's a tribute to i think our how we think strategically how we how we show up creatively and how we show up uh, to be able to solve uh prop you know some of our brand's biggest problems and challenges which is at the end of the day what i think an agency does so um, so yeah, I think it's a focus on growth. And then I think it's some wood behind that arrow, which is really just building, building a better company to be more strategic and more creative and getting in front of more opportunities with brands to show that, and then being more successful with those opportunities. I love that. Now it makes me also wonder, I've got two follow-up questions, but one, as you mentioned, how many people you've been able to add to the team, which obviously is a result also of growth, having more opportunity that requires more people to service the account and serve the client. Almost everybody I've talked to on this podcast has been having an incredible, incredibly hard time even finding people. Yeah. You know, like even the restaurant down the road, I went to lunch yesterday, yeah. said, please be patient with us. We only have three people working today, you know? Uh, yeah. I'm curious if you run into that. And if, if not, why do you think you've been able to hire such amazing people? Yeah. And, and, and you're bringing up an excellent point. And that's really the other half of the whole equation of growth is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's brands and, and signing on clients, but it's also, you know, our businesses, that's what it is. It's service-based business. So, you know, building the teams and finding the people, uh, it's been challenging. I mean, so so we've had to add the most amount of people in probably the most difficult climate um, to to do so. You know, we control we can control, and, and and I think we just we just kept plugging away. Um, I think we struggled more early on in the year. We reassigned some accountability internally, um, and got really aggressive and focused there. And we were able to to recruit and hire. Um, but you bring up an excellent point, you know, in all of that too, there's the great resignation and that's yep. something else that's happened over the last year. And I've got my own theories and hypothesis on why that's happening. Um, but we are not immune to that. And most agencies aren't, uh, we've, you know, we've seen our, our largest attrition rate probably over the last nine months than we've ever seen in since the company's history. Um, and I think yeah. we're, we do well, we fare well, compared to our peers and competitors, but we're still not immune to it. Um, so I think it's just over indexing, you know, I think we, you know, we've brought a lot of, um, you know, we're not afraid to use a headhunter. We're not afraid to invest. We're not afraid to really, um, you know, I think something else we've done is, is opened up the aperture ge geographically. So we're, we were pretty Atlanta centric, but I'd say with, with the 104, so many or so DAGs that we've got now, I'd say, you know, 10, 15% are in places like New York, Los Angeles. Smart. Denver. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've opened that up as well. And that's worked out, that's worked out pretty well. And then try to make our, our, our workspace um, amenable to, to, you know, um, to, to hybrid workforce and virtual workforce as well. 
Yeah. I mean, if you add on that, just the challenge of a service type business, even a restaurant, you know, where you are always playing the game of, do I build it and then they come or do I wait for them to come and then I build it? You know, meaning like, do I go ahead and hire expecting growth or do I wait for growth and then try to hire? And yeah. consistently uh, I've talked with it, people that are behind right now where they've grown account wise, they've grown business, but they're like, we're at least six to 10 hires behind where we need to be. And everybody's underwater trying to service all these accounts. In the meantime, how, where do yeah. you all fall on that spectrum? It's a, it's a great question. And I've always been of the, you know, sell it, then build it. You know, if you build it, then they come, you know, sort of like create the demand and then build the structure around it. And I think that's sort of an entrepreneurial mindset in general. Um, we have gotten, you know, the, 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 the drawback to not doing that is, you know, you start to build it. And then, you know, you lose a pitch or something like that. Well, then you've got, then you're overstaffed and to right. keep healthy, you've got to, you've got to lay off. So it's, um, it's not perfect, you know, and I think we try to hedge wherever possible and we try to create different scenarios where we know what we need to do. Should we win? Should we lose? But at the end of the day, this business is such that, you, you know, you win a new account. It's, it's kind of the nature of it. And it's just, some people are kind of double timing for a little bit, but I think there's some things you can do and you, you use the restaurant. Um, I think that's a really good example of setting expectations. You know, they're like, Hey, bear with us. We're, we're short, we're short staffed. And people understand that, you know, with, with our clients, um, you know, I'm exposing what's going on in this industry. And yeah. I think it's, I think you can temper expectations and, and say, look, you know, we have a great partnership. There's, we want to, we want to work together, but there are ways to also um, try to reset our temper expectations with clients that make things not so insane. Yeah. So true. I mean, we were, we were slightly annoyed right when we heard it. We have three young kids. We're standing in the line and the person basically said, Hey, just so you know, like before we gave our order, just so you know, it's going to be probably 25 to 30 minutes before you get your food. We're short staffed. Is that okay with you? Mm -hmm. And just that, like just being yeah. that transparent with me immediately, I got over my frustration. I was like, man, that must be hard running this whole thing with three people. And she was like, yeah, I was like, well, we'll, we'll be patient. Don't worry about us. And we bust all of our own stuff, you know, it's like, Hey, how can we help out? And I think you're right. If you can just, if you can just be honest, of course, there's going to be some, some assholes out there that would be frustrated anyways. But for the most part, people understand it's usually when we hide it and we're trying to trying to make it work without anybody knowing what's going on, that people just get frustrated. Agreed. And they're dealing with it too. Yeah. You know, I mean, that this isn't just isolated to restaurants or ad agencies, you know, I mean, all of our brands, I, you know, I talked to one of our clients, the manufacturer, you know, they, they, they have the fortunate problem of demand getting switched back on, but they can't find people to make the product, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's everywhere right now. Well, let's change uh, subjects yeah. a little bit. So, one of the things that you said just a minute ago that I want to get back to, if you're cool with it, is you talked about a one-month retreat that you took. And again, I, usually on these second-round interviews, we're taking more of a look at you and really what makes you tick and what helps you and what your personality is like and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm just curious what led to that and then what yeah. was that experience like for you in that month? Yeah, so what it was actually a little bit more, I'd say close to five, six weeks. Um, and I was... I was working and I put working in quotes, you know, cause I was, I was sort of plugged in to, to, to the leaders, but I was trying not to be in the, 
what I would say is the daily grind, because I knew that if I was focused on business decisions that were within 90 days, let's say, that I wouldn't um, be focused on what I really wanted to focus on, which was the next year, two, three years, yeah. and have really good clarity there. And, and what, what led to it, um, I think we just grew, we grew really fast and I got to a place, we got to a place in the company where it was about a year faster than I thought we, had, we were gonna get to that place. And, and it just felt like this like inflection point that it was like, okay, you know, it felt like it was high time to actually establish where we were going over the next, let's say three years. And, and I felt like I just couldn't do it in the office. It was also a moment where, as I said, we were, we were growing really fast. So I, I basically declared an internal edict that we weren't going to take on any new clients. For 90 wow. days, I think it was 60 days. And um, so, you know, so part of my, my job is as chief CEO is also chief growth officer. And so I felt like the last thing the company needed was me out bringing in new clients for the agency. And so I, it felt like a perfect time from that standpoint. It felt like this natural inflection point where we needed to really, I just say, reimagine the next three years. And the only way for me to do that was to truly pull, pull the plug. And, and coincidentally, I have an executive coach. Uh, who's out out in that area? I was talking to him, and and I have another friend who's out in that area. And I just I just I drove. I said, "All right, I'm going to do it." And I threw my dog in the car and hit the road. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. What did that What did that time look like? Was it structured, unstructured, a combination of both? Um, it was a combination of both. Yeah, there there were still I was still attending leadership meetings. I was still making sure I was checking in with key leaders and just what I felt like were pressure points of the business for at least a couple hours of a day of the day. But I was also creating space, meeting with my executive coach, having just different conversations with board members, people I trust, my co-founder on just, and some of my leadership team just on leaking out some of the things that I was starting to think about. And, and then with this idea that it would all be rolled out, which it was, or, or by and large rolled out um, at our company retreat in Greenville, South Carolina, which we did at the very end of September. So it was all to get to that point. And, um, but to answer your question, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a combination of structured and unstructured. I, I will admit there were a couple moments where I found myself at like three in the afternoon on the beach thinking there or reading. I would uh, hope so. Yeah, but, but it wasn't like a complete, I, I called it a retreat because it wasn't just a vacation. You know, it was, it was definitely a purposeful, a purposeful moment. Yeah. Um, were there, so I'm assuming, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you went out there mostly with a set of questions that you knew needed to be asked and answered. Is that kind of what yeah, it is? It's kind of funny. I mean, I, I, as I was driving, I remember, so I drove, I drove West, I spent a little bit of time in New Mexico on the way out and then went to California. And then, but I remember by the time I had gotten to New Mexico, I had identified at least the decisions that needed to be made. Like it was like I had clarity on like, okay, this is, you know, we've, we, we've, we've in, indexed into having a lot of uh, a couple of uh, health and wellness clients. And so I was like, we need to solve what that looks like. Um, you know, we've got this butter thing and I, and I was like, we need to solve what, what, what the future of that looks like. So I was, I think in the first three days, 
I, I sort of ID'd what the things were. And then it was, it was starting to um, sort of codify what the actual decisions or the action plans or the, the vision were for each of those things. And I remember there were six at the time mm. when I got to, when I got to New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, yeah, I remember calling somebody from my leadership team and, and uh, our chief creative officer was like, yeah, I like what you found out there in the desert, which is I was in the desert at the time. And there was just a moment of clarity where I called him and sort of talked about what those things were. So yeah, I always talk about, uh, and I've done this in my career, like stepping away and not just as like a vacation where you're like completely tuning out, but, but stepping away, I think is one of the best pieces of advice for a leader for some period of time, because you, you invariably will see things differently and you'll just get new perspectives and the perspectives come in really, you know, it's not like it doesn't have to be through an executive coach or a business book, et cetera. Like th these, these perspectives sometimes come to you in like really interesting ways you're just like listening to a joe rogan podcast in the middle of arkansas you know yeah yeah it's so. something something was the right time yeah, you needed to hear exactly. that in that moment exactly yeah. yeah you know what makes me think of is this idea of like a minimum viable dose where i think many ferris now is it i think so i think I, I think he uses that concept where he's like the right amount of sun the right amount of exercise where where you basically find like this threshold where you're doing the least amount of effort, but ain't getting the most amount of results. Yes. It could be him. Yeah, anyway, it could be. I the thought, the thought I was just having though, is I've had, I've had clients before be like, yeah, like they'll recognize their instincts are saying, Hey, you need to step away so that you can get some clarity on the future. You need to answer some questions about your business or whatever, but they take like the, the analogy I would use is like, if you had a headache and you only took one aspirin or one Advil and sure you took, you took medicine, but it wasn't enough to make the headache go away. You know, you didn't reach that minimum viable dose. And so they were like, yeah, I gave it a day. Or, you know, I really took the weekend off and I asked some questions and, and they get, you get no clarity versus I think I might need a month, you yeah. know? And it's like, you got to actually, you got to find, and it's probably more, not less, it's probably more than you're comfortable with at, at first. Yeah. What do I really need to accomplish this problem? You know? Yeah. That's interesting because I went out in the middle of June and then I remember I, I was planning to come back July 30th and I remember it was like July 21st or something. I was like, I could leave today and I kind of got what I needed. Yes. So in, in my case, that minimum viable dose was like five weeks. Maybe. Yeah. Like I remember like two or so years ago, something I needed to make a decision on that really impacted the, the future of my business and all that kind of stuff was driving my wife crazy because it was like we couldn't change we couldn't change the song, you know, and the, the stress of it was bleeding over even to our family life and whatever. And I was trying to be accommodating to like, all right, I think I'm just going to go away for a night. And oh, we tried that several times. It didn't work. And she was like, hey, listen, like, I'd rather you just do what you got to do. Do you need to go away for two weeks? Like, I'd rather you go away for two weeks and figure this out and us be on the other side of it. Yeah. Then trying a day here and a day there because you're trying to be accommodating to me and the kids and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just remember thinking, like, you're probably right. I'm probably making this longer than it has to be uh, if because I'm not willing just to go away and then come home as soon as I'm ready. Like, as, yeah. soon, as, you, as soon as you get it, like, come on home. And the business gets to us, us 
that, that's great. And I, you know, and I think the business, our business got to a size where I sort of said, look, like I've got leaders in place. That was another reason I was able to do it. I've got leaders in place and, and that gives them an opportunity to elevate. It starts to give me the ability to look at the business and say, okay, what are some of the, if I were, you know, a, a lot of business owners will, will say the true test if you've built a business is can you walk away from it? Yeah. Right. And so you sort of pilot that as well. I think we're still too, too soon for me to do that indefinitely, but yeah, able to do it for mostly five weeks and, just, and you're able to say, okay, where do we break down and what's going really well and what the stuff that's going really well, it, it could have been stuff that I was involved in that I actually don't need to be involved in. Right. Or the breakdown stuff might say, okay, well, we might need to add a team member here or this leader might need coaching here. So. Yeah, man. It makes me think of, uh, one of our mentors and kind of advisors, he was one of the first episodes on the podcast for anybody listening, Randy Dobbs. He was a turnaround, like a turnaround CEO. He worked his way up in GE from literally being on the factory floor to being, you know, one of the executives over the North America branch and then went to be over Phillips Medical and over several huge companies after that. But he always got brought in at a very tough time in a company's existence, right? Like Phillips Medical was not doing well and he brought it back to being, you know, a top kind of fortune five company. Um, but he would do what he called a stress test to the business. So within like the first month of being there, he would send out like on a Friday, an email to the whole executive team that would say over the weekend, pack your bags and Monday, meet me at this hotel, have at least two weeks worth of clothes. And then he'd also tell them, please tell anybody that is direct to you what they must do to cover your role for at least two weeks. It could be longer. That was it. So he's like, in the first month of being there, they all have to pack their bags, yeah. go to a hotel. They don't know how long they're going to be there, and they're passing off their responsibilities to their next direct report. And it was this whole series of, like, one, seeing how they operate in the hotel, who was game, who was fighting for the company, who was fighting for themselves, you know, what kind of – but he also was wanting to see what was happening when they were gone. Right. Did, their, did their departments get better? Did some not need them as much as they thought they needed them? And actually that person was doing really well with the ball in their hands. And he would just, he was like, I just stress tested. I removed the whole leadership and yep. I would see what happened with the company, but he would be day to day with the company. So like he didn't leave them gone. He'd go check in them in the hotel and he'd yeah. go back to the company and help everybody there that's, that's doing stuff. And he was like, you always got the revelation of where the company's really at. Who's really right for this? Who's not? who's 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 capable who's incapable you know and i just thought that was such a that's ballsy really, move yeah that's super interesting yeah i think i think if you're if you're truly trying to scale a business that's bigger than yourself there you should almost be thinking about like how to render yourself obsolete you know what i mean yeah. it's sort of like counterintuitive idea which is yep. you know the more that i have to be involved the less of a scalable business, you know, we're, we're, we're growing. Yeah, and that's what he thought. I, I he he said they always, they were always afraid when they found out that the person under them was doing great without them. And he was always like, no, that's the opposite. I see, I see that as being a win for you. Yes. You yeah, they, built, built you, they built a team. You've exactly. built an actual team. And he's like, I want you to elevate more into strategy and less into this. And so that's a positive, but everybody was a scare because they didn't know what he was looking for. Like, I love that. Yeah, it's really yeah, interesting. It's counterintuitive because I think people, you know, and I've seen that with leaders in the in the past here, where their their worth comes from them being in the work versus elevating and letting their teams do the work. And um, 
Yeah, that's the, uh, the other part that I found interesting too, just for conversation's sake, and that we can move on. But he said the biggest thing he was looking for was hope, and I just thought that was interesting. So he said he would try to sniff out as soon as possible who had lost hope in the company, uh, and who still had hope. And that he said that mm-hmm. trumped skill, that trumped years at the company, because he said hope will always find a way. Like if we're going to rebound from this, it's only going to come from the ideas are on the other side of hope sure. because you're you're looking for solutions. You believe there are solutions out there, so you find them. And he's like, if they lost hope, you're already packing it in mentally, so there's no way you're going to find the sledgehammer that's going to get through the wall in front of you. And so that was his first filter. It was not skill set or ex- expertise. It was like, who's got hope? Who doesn't have hope? I and love I gotta, it. I gotta leave. I gotta let these people move on. It, it, you know, that don't have hope, and I'm going to build around the people that have hope. And I just thought that was powerful. Uh, so that's super smart. I love it. I, I I do love those sort of like wild, you know ideas and ways to test the business like that you know his stress test i, I think that's so cool uh i always love tony shay's the uh rest in peace the, you know where he would take zappos employees all the way through training and then he would literally pay them a thousand dollars to quit after <laughs> and the idea was if they just wanted money you know they would quit but if they were passionate about zappos the job was more important you know so yeah. I, I always loved uh, that example as well yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he was a, his protege was Jack Welch, which, you know, it comes from a different time. It's not that it's wrong by any means, but like he, he grew up under the buzzsaw, you know, yeah. like the person that has no problem being like, everybody's, you know, everyone's gone or whatever. And he modified it because he's got a huge heart to be a little different for him. But it's just interesting. It almost like business history to see the different ways in which people have navigated uncertainty or change or that kind of thing, uh, cool. which brings me to my last question for you. Uh, today, because I know I promised this would be a shorter one. Um, it's more personal to me because I feel like I feel it, especially in the last two years with all the uncertainty of the pandemic and business changing and that kind of stuff. But what is your relationship to pressure like? And I know that's probably a big question, but there is an inevitable feeling of weight when we mm-hmm. take responsibility for anything, a responsibility in a relationship or for a business or for an outcome. And I've only seen that increase and I only expect it to increase the more that something grows and the mm-hmm. more you kind of elevate in your world. What has that been like for you? What are, what are, what are maybe some of the ways you used to handle it versus now? What is, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh-huh. Like if I'm not careful, my personality will hide. Like if I'm not careful, the, my, my kind of in, um, the weakness in my personality, if too much pressure gets on me is I'll start avoiding things. And I've had to like really come to grips with like, hey, dude, this is what you do. Watch out for it. Don't avoid when pressure hits you. You need to confront head on. You know, other people, they confront head on too hard and they're not delicate and they're like a bull in a china shop, you know. Uh, I'm just curious, what's that like for you? How do you relate to pressure? There's a a couple ways that I think I could answer that. Um, One, I just have this mentality that the harder it gets, you know, I'm, I'm competitive. Um, and I want dagger to be great. And I want, you know, us to, um, have a great reputation. And a lot of times that comes at beating other agencies and pitches. Right. And so I, I do look at the harder things get or feel sometimes as I'm like, Oh, this is the test that other people are also having, but who's going to pass the test. Yeah. Um, you know, and it sounds sort of cliche, but I think about like the people like 
the Kobe Bryant's who, you know, get up at three, 4 AM after a loss. And um, I remember, like, I remember reading, like, it was like a men's health article, like probably like 15, 20 years ago. I think Nelly was on the front and he okay. had this mantra that was like, it was like time to make the donuts. He's, and, and cause you remember like that old Dunkin' Donuts campaign, time to make the donuts, like early in the morning, get up yep. and you do it. And if it was easy, like everybody would do it. Right. And so I, part of me is I, I look at, I'm grateful, you know, that, that, that I'm even in the place to have this amount of like, let's call it pressure. Um, I also tell myself, um, I've been in this long enough to know I've been doing this job long enough to know that it doesn't really get easier. I think I just get better. And I think I learned that from like a Peloton instructor. It's like, those workouts are always still hard. You just like, you just create you you stronger. Yeah. You have a better output. And, and I just like, you know, I had a rough week three weeks ago and, and I'm, you know, I don't need to tell you, but it just went, it kind of, a few things went sideways. Yeah. And I remember just sort of thinking, okay, this is telling myself it was the ebb and flow of the business and two, getting less hung up on the highs and lows, the outcomes and more just confident that the, the activities that I'm doing, controlling what I can control but that's enough. Um, and that just kind of like diffuses the pressure. Um, when I first started this, like the highs, I mean, I would get, I mean, almost bipolar level, you know, when we'd win it, I mean, I was so excited, you know, and then when something we'd lose a pitch or something, I'd be in the dumps for like four days. And I think I've just been able to psych myself into like being more even, um, I think I've also just tried to create a better life for myself outside of this place. So not everything rests on this place. And I've just found, uh, I would say ways to, to just to stay more even, you know, even I'd say COVID, the biggest thing is more nature, more hiking, getting outside, all that stuff. It just kind of evens me out. Um, I mean, it still happens, you know, I mean, I'll get off a horrible call. I remember being in the middle of the pandemic, getting off a horrible call and, literally just it was like i think it was like 6 p.m i was just like laying on my couch staring at my ceiling fan for like 20 minutes like oh my god <laughs> i mean so it still happens you know yeah yeah but, um but i would say like that's how i think i manage it better um yeah that's the, the, so good the big picture of like i think the gratitude factor and then just trying to trying to just um not have the highs be too high and the lows be too low and, and focus on the the effort, the activities and doing the right things and just confidence at this point that the, the, the outcomes take care of themselves. So, uh, so good, man. Yeah. You know, well, one, that idea, I, I tend to, I tend to borrow from the best meaning if something works, like you should probably pay attention to it. And even though I'm not an alcoholic, AA is probably one of the most transformational organizations that's ever existed. If you look at the pure amount of people that have had a true addiction that have come through there and found sobriety, and that idea of the serenity prayer, I mean, again, it's like it's the it's understanding what you can control versus what you can't and trying to make peace with that. Mm-hmm. Trying to, you know, the idea is have courage to show up to the things you can't control. That's one aspect. Have the wisdom to let go of the things that you can't, you know. And so that's been huge. And then, you know, for me, I have a therapist because, you know, I think everybody needs one. And uh, as a coach, as a performance coach, you know, someone asked me a long time ago, who's coaching you? 
I was like, oh, that's probably a damn, that's a good, good, good question. Like who's pouring into me? Yeah. Uh, and I remember telling that coach around this issue, like, I don't feel like I'm doing well with the pressure right now for this reason, for that reason. And, and he was awesome. Uh, Dr. Mike, he was like, listen, man, he goes, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> different one, different Mike. Dr. Mike is freaking awesome. And he nice. said, uh, if you got that big of a pendulum swing in emotions between that high and that low, it's revealing you have a weak mindset and psychology right now that we got to strengthen up. And it was so sharp, but so dead on that I was like, oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. He's like, he goes, you, sh- you shouldn't have, you shouldn't be pendulum swinging that much in, yeah. in any given moment, the high of the sale or the low of the disappointment yeah. or whatever. And he, and he just pinpointed it. He hit it right on the nail. I was like, oh, there's kind of a, there's a weak perspective and like a weak mindset right now about this that I've got to start working on that the highs need to mean something different to me and the lows need to mean something different to me that's more anti-fragile. Do you yeah, know what I mean? totally. Um, and it's funny you mentioned your your coach and, and then mine is is as even as can be. And he's former yogi, meditator. You know, yeah. he has a nice blend of, I would say, like vertically aligned business, you know, very kind of spiritual. Um, and I've asked him, I'm like, dude, you don't ever seem like you're faced by anything. And that's kind of like the whole meditative practice, right? You just sort of let things, you're able to let things go quicker. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I, I should just leave this with the audience because this was actually one really great thing from him that came from that month, which was as I was evaluating the future and kind of decisions and all that kind of stuff. And as a founder, you know, as a founder, I think these, your audience would appreciate it. He said something to me, which I haven't forgotten, which in, which was incorporated into the future, which was there are some things that just get you excited. And that is enough of a data point for you to for you to do them, because right as, wow. a, as, a, as a leader of the company, if I'm showing up like more just enthused and excited, what everybody feels here mm. is going to change as well. And so yeah, like yeah. we were talking about opening a new office, and we we're talking about different locations. And I was like, well, you know, where's the revenue opportunity, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, no, like, where do you want to be? You know? So, um, that was pretty cool. Side note, a yeah. little bit of a tangent at the end. No, it's not because I made a note of this earlier that I think one of the things I'm, I'm learning from you right now is the, the permission to validate your instincts. So like you had an instinct that you probably need that, that the business grew faster than you anticipated. And your instincts were telling you, I think I need to get away and re- reorient to where we are now versus where we're going. And you did that. And the business benefited from that. And then even in that experience, you're saying pay attention to what excites you. That, that it's not an arbitrary data point. It's actually a very important data point mm-hmm. for all the reasons of the passion it passes on to the people and, and that kind of thing. And so that's my big takeaway is just sometimes we, I don't think we listen to our instincts as much as we could. You know, there's always a reason to challenge them because our instincts can be wrong and and that kind of thing, but I think we lose touch with them sometimes instead of letting them sharpen and mature so that we can trust them more and more. And um, man, what a gift. Thank you for sharing that. Awesome. No, glad to. Well, Mike, this is exactly why I had you back on for round two. Uh, there will likely be a round three because I could talk to you uh, much longer than this. So you, my friend- You know how to get me back on. We've already talked about that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> I do, I do. So uh, with that being said, buddy, thank you for making time. Thank you for sharing with our audience yet again. And again, if you're listening and you didn't listen already to the original episode, it is phenomenal. Please check out Dagger. Uh, if they are a business owner in possible need of your services, where should I send them, Mike? Dagger.agency, not .com, .agency. Agency is the extension. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, Dagger, 
and um, Mike at dagger.agency is my email. One Let's of those go. work. The boldness of putting your email out there. I love it. All right, homie. Thank you so much, bud. Thanks, Drew. Always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.